When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. Trevor, how are you doing today? Well, Ken, there's snow on the ground in Alberta. I was in Quebec all week. There wasn't any snow on the ground. Got back on Friday. This sucks. (laughs) (laughs) It's a balmy 18 degrees in Montreal and... Friday was very nice on Thursday, and I land to a solid minus 10, white shit on the ground. Kind of a, wasn't, it, it was snowing when I left, but it, it was like, oh, I'm getting away from it. It'll be gone when I get back. Yeah, no, no, no. I hate winter. <laughs> oh, just the beginning, my friend. It's just oh, I hate winter. I hate winter. <laughs> Yeah, well, I know uh, we got our vehicles going in uh, tomorrow to get the winter tires on and get that all taken care of because it's it's not going to get any better. No, I've got to make my appointment still to get them put on. I'm I'm in denial. It, it was been it, it you know it really was a nice you know summer and fall in you know Alberta, and I'm in denial like winter. There was it was almost like there was no fall, and then hey, let's snow. <laughs> like, yeah. I just got in denial. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, October isn't quite over yet. We're in the final three days, but uh, eh, yeah, it's it's a bit early for the cold and the, the snow to start beginning to fall. But that is Alberta weather in a nutshell. I mean, hell, you could get snow in June or July with the Chinooks. So yeah. yep. you've, li- you've lived here your whole life. You should be used to it by now. I've, I've only got nine be, years under my belt. I should be, but I'm not. I hate it. Like <laughs> tons of sunshine. That's you know, that's the thing I love about Alberta. It's one of the sunniest places in the world. Tons of sunshine. But holy smokes, like when winter decides to it's just like it there's two seasons, summer and winter is kind of what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say I will take the cold and all of that over the rain any day of the week uh, i will i will take minus 40 as opposed to continuous rain and gray it's uh yeah it, it's a, the sun is definitely a nice nice feature for sure but uh 
Trevor, it's it's been some busy times in the sports world, and uh, we've got some big things coming up here. We got CFL playoffs. We're going to talk about today. We're going to talk some hockey. I know uh, between the two of us, one of us is happier than the other with how our team started. There's also some uh, surprises and not surprises around the league for where the teams are starting off right now. So we're going to get into a little bit of that today. Trevor, let's start it off with, are you kidding me? Why don't you start us off with yours? Look, and I am going to go to the world of hockey, and this isn't necessarily something that we were were surprised about. I, I think the reason I'm going here is how bad it is. And, you know, we were expecting the San Jose Sharks to have a tough season. We really were. You know, they traded Eric Carlson in the offseason and really got nothing in return. And the the early returns on the 2023-2024 San Jose Sharks are, they're bad. They're like, they're, are you kidding me, bad, this hockey club? Eight games, one point. One OT loss, one loser point, no victories. They're already minus 24 goal differential. So let's put that into perspective. They're averaging losing every hockey game by three goals. Like, <laughs> this isn't even close. Like, and, and let's not, like, we weren't expecting the San Jose Sharks to battle for a playoff spot. You know, we expected San Jose and Anaheim to be battling for potentially last in the division. God knows, you know, they're battling the Flames and the Oilers instead, but we'll probably talk about that a little bit more later. But it, 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 it's not even close. It's not even close. Like, they've scored eight goals in eight games. That that math's pretty easy. They're averaging one goal a game. Here's even easier math. They're the, the three-goal differential. Well, go figure. They're giving up four goals a game. They're average losing 4-1 every game, not even close. Their power play is in the bottom of the league. Their penalty killings in the bottom of the league. They Trust me, they probably don't have anyone in the top 100 in the NHL scoring because they've only scored eight goals. There, there's Alex DeBrinket has scored more goals than the San Jose Sharks. Jack Hughes has way more points than the San Jose Sharks. Like This is... This team might break records. It is so, so bad. Are you kidding me, bad? How bad the Saturday Sharks are? Uh, we might be able to do this. This could be a weekly segment. How bad are the Sharks? And I don't think we'll have to talk about any three-game winning streaks all year. I think I think they just go for a one-game winning streak at this point and disappointing but you know we all saw it this team has had an aging core for years they refused to really blow it up to go into a rebuild they've had moderately successful for the last decade they were always kind of in that playoff hunt in that area and you know for top of the division in western conference finals always in that but they made a string of just Bad moves, you know, the long-term extensions, what's um Eric Carlson probably being the top of that list. But they, when they signed that one, they were in the mix. 
I, they I were in the mix. Don't like the deal, but they were in at least in the mix at the time, and that was supposed to be the piece that put him over. And it seems to be the domino that's knocking it all down. But like they they had signed Thomas Hurdle to a long term deal, and there's like I don't have an issue signing good players to contracts. Every team needs good players, but it was so evident that. It, this was a good aging player. And as a County Flames fan, I, I hate to say what the next three years might look for us, too. Like, I feel like we're almost on that trajectory of the San Jose Sharks where you didn't get rid of the old core when you probably should have. And now you're really going to pay the price. You know, Mark Edward Vlasic was signed long term. Um, who was that they they dealt to New Jersey? I'm totally Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer had been signed. Yeah had been signed long to like well he signed that deal that, with jersey that that his I deal, know, that was, had, yeah but he had he was right to the tail end of a long-term deal when he got signed and a lot of people questioned it what had happened when when he did that as well and then some of the additions they made this offseason like they, they took a chance on philip zadina like you know former sixth overall pick of the detroit red wings well, that hasn't worked um they brought in Mike Hoffman as part of that trade. Like, I don't know why they did that. Um, um, Anthony Duclair. Like, I, I guess they were opening that they might score some goals with these guys. I just, I, where are they going? Like, I think that's really the question. Where's the Sharks team going? And it's like, it's historically bad where they're at right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm reading through their roster as we speak. There's so many names on this roster. I don't even know. Yeah. Guy, you know, a guy like Kevin LeBanc, LeBanc now wants out. So like, well, go figure he wants out, but why wouldn't you? You know, he was, yeah, he's, he was one of the guys, he was kind of one of the mainstays for a while now. And it's, I don't know. I just, this team's going to have a plethora of really good draft picks over the next few years. But right now, holy, it is a, a train wreck of a roster. And, over under, are they going to get to 15 wins this year? Ah, I don't know. Yeah, it, you're talking about a team who is so bad that five, six games into it, they're talking about if this is going to be a historically bad team. Now, they were talking, I think, modern era and uh, or whatever it was, 21 wins was the lowest, I think, is what they had said. And uh, but I, I just, I pumped it in here. The worst team was the 74, 75 Washington Capitals. Now there's a, this is a top 10 list. I only looked at games and years where they played close to 80 games. If they played, like if it went so far back that there was like 60 games, forget it. Not going to look at that, but like the 74, 75 caps played 80 games and were eight, 67 and five. So that that's bad. That's two less games that than the Sharks are going to play this year. Are the Sharks going to hit eight games? You've got the 92-93 San Jose Sharks, who were 11, 71, and 2. Like, are they going to Was even... that their expansion year? I possibly. I possibly. Um, like Arthur's Urbe, who wasn't a bad goalie. Right, he actually had a pretty decent career as a backup, a backup uh, throughout his career, and he could he could win you some games, but he was their leading goaltender at seven 
and 26 with a goals against average of 4.11. Oh, um, wow. The 92-93 Sens are on this list at 10-70-4. and four. They're actually on this list twice. Um, you know, the 80-81 Jets at 9-57-14. and 14. Uh, Who else we got on here? The 89-90 Quebec Nordiques at 12-61-7. and seven. And at the ten, you know, 93, 94 cents at 14, 61, and 9. The Sharks have the ability to put themselves back on this list, knock the, the, the 93, 94 cents off, and maybe reclaim the top spot on this list. That's how bad this season is going to be. And realistically, at the end of the year, I, I don't see anyone getting fired because. As you know, well, Mike Greer, maybe I don't know how maybe. long a long of life he's gonna have as a GM because uh, I actually I do feel bad for him too because he he was never a GM before. He gets hired into this role. You're looking at a dog shit organization at the NHL and AHL level. What are you supposed to do with this? The only like he absolutely gets a failing grade on the Carlson deal with getting out with having to like, I don't think they retained very much of Carlson's deal, one and a half million, but what you brought in replaced the, what you took out. So what was the point of that? You had, you weren't in trouble of being under the cap floor. So why did you keep it where it was? The only thing they have going for him is being so shitty is that they could trade their first overall pick for the next two years. And actually, no, it won't, but they should, right? It's no different than, like, I know I got, you know, I probably was one of few that said it, but I said the Oilers should have traded it when they had McDavid. When McDavid was, that was his draft year, and they were coming up with their first overall pick, I would have traded it because you could have filled all the holes you needed by going to a team and go, We'll give you this pick. We want your number one goalie, your number th- two or three defenseman, and we want a top three forward. And you probably would have got it in spades along with the team's first round pick to swap because that kind of player will sell other ways and make you money. But the Oilers could have fixed problems because in all honesty, sure, they've won a few playoff rounds, but they still haven't won shit yet. So... I, I would you know, say it to Sharks. You got, you got that Celebrini um, coming up as the, you know, right now consensus first overall pick. The San Jose Sharks could make some moves by dealing those picks to fill immediate holes. This team has not drafted well. This team has not done anything well. Could the San Jose Sharks be up for relocation? Could they be the Houston Sharks in five years? I kind of want to, I want to jump off on that point that you just made, you know, about trading that really high draft pick. And, and, you know, I said it never happens. You know what? That's a lie. It has happened before. And I think the team that did it had pretty good benefits. And I'm talking about when the Quebec Nordiques traded Eric Lindros. Yeah. They won a Stanley Cup just a couple of years later as the Colorado Avalanche, unfortunately. But they... They essentially restocked their shelves for 15 years when they traded Eric Lindros for a, a huge haul 
and I, I get can't remember off the top of my head who's all in that, but it, you know Peter Forsberg was Forsberg, yeah, was part of that trade. Um, Hextall, Hextall, like they they set themselves up with and numerous draft picks after that. You know, it's not unprecedented. No, in today's cap world, I don't see it happening because you need young players and you can't just spend. But, but you know, it's not unprecedented. It, it it and it worked out very well. For the team that did do it, they were a powerhouse. They've pretty much been a powerhouse every year since that trade. And even to this day, outside of a couple of really lean years for the Colorado Avalanche, where, you know, they ended up getting Kale McCarr and, you know, guys like that, which uh, seemed to work out fairly well. But the Colorado Avalanche have been a good team, uh, a perennial contender pretty much since they left Quebec. And I would say it's because of that trade kick-started it, it became a destination to go to. And then yeah. that team was just beautifully managed by Joe Sackick, and, you know, they just do so much stuff right. I'm not jealous at all, Ken. Yeah, no, I think we could all say that. The thing for San Jose is what they're doing isn't working. Um, You could have, like, even the Arizona Coyotes, like, they can draft all they want. They had all those picks coming up, all those high picks. They're still only five points ahead of San Jose. They are sitting with every other bottom feeding team right now with six or less points, right? Like the Pacific division was supposed to be more competitive this year from what people were saying ahead yet outside of Anaheim sitting with eight points in fourth. And then you got Seattle six, Calgary five, Edmonton seven, and then the Sharks, like whatever the Sharks are doing is not working. So why continue with the status quo? You can they can stockpile all the draft picks they want. All it means is another five, six years of waiting for that player to potentially develop and do something. Like sure, Connor Bedard has what three goals in eight games. It's a great stat line for him, but the team still sucks. Right? But the and, team's expected to suck. Like yeah, it, true, but like it just wanted to start things. somewhere. How long did the Edmonton Oilers sit exactly where they are today at the bottom of the Pacific Division when they had four first round draft picks, first overall, sorry, picks in six years? And they still sat at the bottom of the division for so long and they're still not winning. Like they can win all the regular season you want, but if you don't win in the, like go deep consistently in the playoffs, they're starting to do that, but in their it's just falling off the rails. That's why I'm not sold on having a million and one draft picks for a team that sucks because you've clearly had the picks before. You've been picking high, and you're still dropping the ball. That's I would say go out and get the pieces you need. Start doing it that way. You can, but you gotta you gotta mix. You gotta build by a mixture. Like you need to develop good young talent, but you also need to attract good players to come to your organization and fill the the role player, though like the role spots. You like you can draft all the first liners you want, but you still have to fill out your second, third, and fourth line somehow. And you have to do that with just good hockey moves, good acquisitions, yeah, you know, late round draft picks. Like it's not about getting a top five pick, it's about you know, you get six or seven picks in a draft. Well, you need to hit on two of them every year. At least, and it's easier when it's a top five pick to hit on that on in that draft. But 
you Maybe. still need to you still need to get five second rounders that end up playing on your second line. You need to you know find a diamond in the rough fifth rounder that ends up being a top four defender. Like it, it's not all about high end picks; it's about good draft picks. Yeah, and you know outside of the top ten, once you get outside of the top ten, it really doesn't matter where you finish in the NHL standings because you're all picking from the same pool of players for the rest of the draft. Once you get outside the top 10, it's your ability to find talent in that pool of players. That's really going to separate your organization as a contender or not. So unless you're Vegas and you just bring in every free agent and trade players left, right and center. So no, so no loyalty yet. They're the yeah. cup champs and look pretty damn good to start this year too. So yeah, I'm sure we're due for a Mark Stone LTIR trip or whatever coming up, but we'll see what happens there. Yeah, the, sh- the Sharks are bad, and they they reek of, are you kidding me? That's definitely for sure. Whichever, I'm going to stick with hockey for my, are you kidding me? And it's not necessarily in the sense that the idea is bad. It was the execution. And the, the NHL kind of left me going, this is a g- great idea, but are you kidding me? Uh, the past week they came out with the first ever NHL frozen frenzy and where all 32 teams played on the same night at staggered times so that there was always hockey on. You didn't have every game going to intermission at the same time, but there was a problem with it for me. And this is why I went, are you kidding me? They did it on a Tuesday night, not just a Tuesday night the opening of the NBA season, which, sorry, you're going to lose the, <laughs> the, 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 the moderate fan of any of NHL hockey, probably to NBA basketball. You do it on another league's opening night. Now hockey on a Tuesday versus my NBA team's first game. A lot of people are going to start watching that instead. The fact that was the first one you chose a Tuesday night Second opening of the NBA season. Thirdly, the start times. I think your the, the Flames started playing at seven forty five that night. That that wasn't even, and I don't even think that was, you guys were on the road. Were you at home? I can't remember. We were at home against the New York Rangers. Yeah. So that was seven forty five at home. Not horrible. The Vegas Golden Knights game didn't start till nine o'clock. Nine p.m. Who the hell back east is going to start watching a game on Tuesday night at 11 p.m.? Well, I was, you know, you make a really good point there. I was in Montreal for the froze for that frozen frenzy. The Flames game didn't start in Montreal till 9.45 p.m. I didn't watch it. I watched maybe a period. It was, you know, I get a real taste of what you're talking about because I was actually in the Eastern time zone and... That Vegas game, I remember, like, I was following along on Twitter later into the night. I remember that I saw the tweet of that game just started. And I'm like, it's it's 11.04 p.m. Yeah. Out where I, and I'm just like, this is insane. Like, I 100% understand what you're saying because I was actually out there for this. And I nobody, nobody was watching this, the no. Western teams. Nobody. So that's that piece. <clears throat> but the last piece, are you kidding me, is 
you're doing this frozen frenzy like viewers have the option to just freely channel surf and get all 16 of these games yeah this frozen frenzy is a piss poor idea at best because of all those reasons you want to fix it do it on a saturday and you start in the morning you get the eastern yeah. teams starting at 11 a.m noon whatever and sure do the staggered start so you don't have everyone going to intermission at the same time do it on a saturday so you have more time start earlier in the day but here's the biggest thing get rid of the regional blackouts let the viewers be able to watch the games because if you don't subscribe to Sportsnet now in Canada or whatever, the NHL app, whatever it is in the States, ESPN, TNT, whatever, however you got to watch like all the games in the States, you can't watch any of the other damn games anyway. So what's the point? What, you get your highlights a little bit differently or your game might cut to another? Oh, but you can't because of regional blackouts. Like, I don't get the point of it because it doesn't matter. If you're in Vancouver, you get the Vancouver game. If you're in Alberta, you get the Flames and Oilers. Yeah. If you're in Winnipeg, you get Winnipeg. That's it. It That's how it works. Hell, in some American cities, you don't even get your team unless you got that channel. It's not on a basic cable channel that everyone gets. So... The NHL needs to do a lot better with this because they're not the NBA. They're not the NFL. They're not Major League Baseball where, you know what, one network like it, Major League Baseball, Sportsnet carries a, a lot of different games throughout the season, not just the Blue Jays. So you could go from a Blue Jays game to the Dodgers-Padres, right? I think does TSN do the Sunday night baseball game or whatever? Like you've got yeah. Apple TV that does games as well. Like you've got multiple different options to watch a game. The NHL has a great idea here. They need to essentially get out of their own damn way with it. Unless, you know, you make a deal for Frozen Frenzy where you unlock the regional blackouts and you allow Sportsnet to carry five different games at one time. TSN unlocks the regional blackouts for the Jets, Canadians, Sens, and Leafs, and they put the games on there as well. If you don't do that, then who gives a damn? Why are you doing this? It's a, it's a, oh, look what we're doing for the fans. No, you're doing it for the fans that pay for the extra service, but you still can't. If my team's playing, I'm not channel surfing different games because I don't care. I want to watch my team, which means I could be missing five other games that are going on at that exact same time. Great idea. Piss poor execution. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I, you know, I, I didn't get to see much of the games. Obviously, I was in the Eastern time zone, so half the game started past 9 p.m. anyways. So <laughs> we're not going to get to watch them, but... It, it, you're right. It, unless they do it on on you know, Wednesday night hockey, they have where they lift regional blackouts. Well, they do it on a Wednesday night. Do it on a Saturday. You hit it. Do it on a Saturday or Sunday. Start first thing in the morning. Maybe not a Sunday because you don't want to compete against the NFL. But you know, do it on a Saturday and have the first game at 10 a.m. The you know the Rangers versus the Islanders. 
and he'll then go from there. Start what at 10 30, 11, 11 30, 12, 12 31. And if, if you're gonna do it, do it with rivalry games too. Yeah. Like, why not? If you're gonna make a big deal about it, have the Flames playing the Oilers, have the Flames playing the Canucks, not the Flames playing the Rangers. Have the Rangers playing the Islanders or the Devils. Have the Leafs and Habs. Have, like, if you're going to make it, a, you want it to be a spectacle, then make it a spectacle and have it where every team plays one of their top rivals in some manner. Have, even if it's the Leafs playing the Sabres, that's still a decent rivalry that you could work with. Like, yeah, make it special. And then, like you said, lift the blackouts, lift the regional restrictions and have it go on a day when a kid can watch it. Because who are you really trying to hit with this? You're trying to get a younger audience. Well, then do it at a time when the kid can watch. And here's another brilliant idea. Maybe take some of the West Coast teams, maybe not the San Jose Sharks, take some of the West Coast teams, maybe the LA Kings and the Seattle Kraken. They could play each other. But hey, let's throw that game on at 2 p.m., a noon local start in the East. So hey, this kid out here in the Eastern time zone can actually watch Vegas and LA play because I'm sorry, they didn't get a chance to on uh, this go round of it. So put some exposure onto some of the teams in the West as well and move the time back and Hey, maybe move some of the Eastern times a little bit later. So the people in the West, it might be a later start than we're accustomed to, you know, it could be starting Easter team at 6 p.m. Western time, which is 8 p.m. Eastern time. We get that as it is already on a Saturday night. It's not terrible to start an NHL hockey game no. on a Saturday night at 8 p.m. So maybe they could have you know, made it a prime time, you know, Penguins versus Flyers at, you know, at an 8 p.m. local part. Like that could have been a good draw, just a good rivalry that, you know, Go both ways. The the East can see the West. The West can see the East. But no, let's have games starting at 11 p.m. on the East, you know, on the Eastern Time Zone that nobody's going to watch. Well, there's a lot of good players that are not being noticed in the East because they play on a Western team, right? Like it just the the disrespect that goes to some players um, is crazy because the East don't see them, so that player can't be good, right? The other thing too is. If the NHL wants to compete with Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, then they need to start doing things. Every Saturday should be a frozen frenzy where all games are available to watch and a fan can sit down like on a Sunday and watch game after game after game after game. At least be able to watch four full games if they wanted to. That's what they need to do. Like the NHL is so scared of other leagues. When the Canucks went to Philly... I think it was for game three of the season. The Phillies were playing in the NLCS against the Diamondbacks. And that game was going to be going on at the same time as the Flyers-Canucks game. So the, the NHL moved the start time an hour earlier. That means not a lot for those in Philly. But for those in the West Coast in Vancouver, that's a 3 p.m. start. And it's like, are you that afraid of competing like that? You got to get an hour's worth of TV time. If they're going to watch the Phillies game, it doesn't matter what time you start the, the Flyers game at because 
probably on their way to a bar to watch the game, the, the Phillies play anyways. You Like, if you want to compete, then go head on with them. Take the numbers away from the other leagues, regardless of what point in the season it is. Stop cowering to these other leagues. You, you are the fourth of four, the four major league team, major league sports, and it shows. Yeah, I don't, I don't really disagree with anything there. <clears throat> well, we'd love to hear from you guys. You know, reach out to us on X, Twitter. I'm at the BleacherCon one. Ken's at the BleacherCon two. Sharks fans, <laughs> what, what are you thinking? You know, the, the rest. Are of you out me. there? Are you out there? Do you want to speak up? We would love to hear from you. Again, I'm at the Bleacher God 1 and Ken is at the Bleacher God 2. Yeah, maybe an exodus of sharks in San Jose. Well, Trevor, we're going to move on here because officially as of yesterday, the CFL regular season came to a close. And some things have happened in that CFL season. We had the Toronto Argonauts, who managed to have nothing but meaningless games for the last, what, six weeks of this season. Their last six games were meaningless. Tied an all-time winning with the best winning record in the CFL at 16-2. and Outside of that, um, well, the playoffs have been set for about five weeks. No, not uh, totally. Not, Not totally. The West wasn't set until two weeks ago. Well, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. The, the East, one, East division one playoff was, spot wasn't. been set. Yeah. The, yeah. the East division was set a while ago. Everybody knew it was going to be Toronto winning the East and Montreal and Hamilton finishing second and third. That's kind of been a foregone conclusion since Labor Day. Everybody knew the, the Red Blacks just weren't going to catch up. The only thing you know, that, that was really in doubt. And was it really was where this game was going to be played in the East was, you know, Montreal would have had to go on quite the losing streak and Hamilton would have had to get hot. They just, you always knew that game was probably going to be in Montreal. Yeah. And it is. So you got Montreal playing Hamilton in the East division semifinal. The West is a little bit of a different story. You know, your team's been the BC Lions. Well, the BC Lions and Winnipeg Blue Bombers have been sitting pretty since about week three in uh, the CFL's West Division because you had two teams that were just way better than everybody else. And they kind of ran away with the West. And there was a, I don't even know if it was a battle for the final playoff spot. It was a who wants it less um, scenario for, for the West playoff spot. I believe on our show three or four weeks ago, I said I would not be watching uh, CFL playoffs. Well, I lied. I lied. My Calgary Stampeders went on this long, crazy winning. No, wait, they didn't. The Calgary Stampeders managed to win two games down the stretch to sneak their way into the playoffs for the 18th consecutive season. Aided aided by a seven game. I was getting there. I was getting there. I was getting there. (laughs) I didn't want you to forget that part. I'm not forgetting that part. They're. The, the juggernaut Calgary Stampeders with oh, a God. winning record with a, with a record of six wins and 12 losses have qualified for the playoffs. And again, it, it, trust me, it's not from them making it. It's not from them playing well. It is from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders absolutely shitting the bed. And 
finishing the season on a seven-game losing streak. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders had to win one game down the stretch, one game post-Labor Day, and they would have qualified for the playoffs. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders won on Labor Day, shockingly beating the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, partied like they'd won the Grey Cup, and, well, lo and behold, that was the last game they won all season. And they lost their playoff spot as a result of this. And then there's the Edmonton Elks who are just a train wreck. But, hey, they Trey Ford's exciting. He looks like the, you know, he might bring some excitement back to the Edmonton Elks football market. They're still not good. They finally won some home games this year for, you know, Lucky for their fans, you know, Mike Howie Stampeders managed to blow a 17-point lead to them at some point this year. Like there, there, there was some at least shining moments for the well, Edmonton Elks down the Shining stretch, moment but... for them is they didn't own every like being last in every stat. They managed to have a better point differential than the than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders by 14. The the Rough Riders had a negative 164 to the Elks one negative 150. So there, they weren't last in that stat. They can have, they can hold their head high there. The Edmonton Elks, you know, they they ended up actually playing like let's say four and seven football, four and six down the stretch. They actually they outplayed Calgary and Saskatchewan. They had more wins in the back half of the season than the Stampeders and the Rough Riders, which is kind of sad to say. But remember, they started out what was it, zero and nine or something like that. Like they were, yeah, they were gone from the start of the season and. And managed to claw their way back into it. They got shut out twice by the Lions. Like who, one, how the hell do you get shut out in the CFL? Two, how the hell do you get shut out twice? So there's our synopsis of the regular season. Ken, let's let's take a a bit of a dive. Before that, have have we seen the West be this bad before? Oh, God, no. It's not been a long time. Like this season, it... Four teams were actually good. That's it. Four and nine. And you had five teams that were just dog shit horrible. And then, like I know one of them was yours, and I'm not saying that because of that. But six and 12, six and 12, 414. Hamilton, who made the playoffs at eight and 10. But you know right? why like, Hamilton is eight and 10? Hamilton, Hamilton beat the rest of those teams. It's right. Yeah. Hamilton, yep. Hamilton, one of the teams had to beat all the other bad teams consistently. And that was Hamilton. That's the only reason Hamilton has eight wins. I, I will say though. Calgary, they beat Saskatchewan. They beat Edmonton a couple, like they won against the bad teams. Yeah. The Ottawa's other bad teams the, didn't. But I, I feel Ottawa's on the cusp of being a, a good team. Like, I think they were probably the best of the worst teams. When you look at the games they lost, where it was less than a score, Right less than a field goal, less than a touchdown. They were in a lot of games that they lost and just injuries. You know, like what could this season have been if they had a healthy Jeremiah Mazzoli? Yeah. There was just so there. I would say there's a lot of positives for the Ottawa Red Blacks going into hopefully next year that, you know, whether it is Mazzoli or not, because who knows? He had the whole, you know, off season and everything and all that to get ready finally for this year after that horrific injury. But it just didn't, like, he came out, what, four plays, and that was it. Um, so who knows? Maybe he can come back healthy. But Ottawa was at least 
in a lot of games against a lot of against the Argos, the Owls, the the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think the one the, they beat the Blue Bombers, did they not? Um, and BC, yeah, they did. They, they BC had to work hard to beat them in those games that they did. It wasn't they weren't gimmies for a four and fourteen team. The the wins that the rest of the league got against them. The majority of those 14 losses, they weren't gimmies for the other team. Where you, when you went into Edmonton and Saskatchewan with how they were playing, those were gimme games, really, right? Um, Hamilton picked it up like this year. There's no crossover team, and I'm glad because, in all honesty, neither of the nobody, two West teams nobody from the West deserves to it. be it, no, to be in the playoffs at all. Like, you, you almost had if hell, if Ottawa could have picked up a few more wins. Could have been all four Eastern teams in the playoffs. And it would be hard to, to argue that because of how poor the West was. Like, the West has always been the good division where it's like one through four probably should be in the playoffs. And then you got the Elks. But outside of that, like, this is just a, quite the turnaround this season for where the West finished. Yeah. And, you know, what could have been in Saskatchewan if Trevor Harris doesn't get hurt early in the season? Surely to God, under Trevor Harris, they would have won one of those seven remaining games to finish the season. Like, I would have to, you know, Saskatchewan got nailed by the injury bug. The Stampeders benefited as a result. The Stampeders were so mediocre, inconsistent up and down. You know, they they would get thrashed one week and then they would go into BC with their playoff lives on the line and, and thrash your BC lions to clinch a playoff spot. But then they would lose to the last place, Ottawa red blocks at home. And over time, they lost at home and overtime to Saskatchewan in a brutal game. They blew a 17 point lead in Edmonton. Like it was the, the, the Calgary Stampeders were, didn't deserve to make the playoffs this year. They did. I don't know how it was a miracle, but you know, there was just no consistency there. And surely Saskatchewan would have been ahead of them with a healthy uh, Trevor Harris. Yeah, it's it's been an odd year. It almost, this is a year where you, it almost is, I think as much as CFL fans don't want to see it, this is a year that almost makes the case for a single division. Yeah, yeah. Because so many of these teams just absolutely do not Long in the playoffs and when you have the toronto argos final six games mean absolutely jack shit and they're playing second and third stringers for the majority of those games and chad kelly who they're talking about being an mop finalist but has minimal snaps for like a, almost a third of the season that's a joke like it makes the league look so bad so bad. Yeah, but Toronto was just that much better than everybody else. Dude, like, like they, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not knocked them for being better than everybody else and winning all their games early on. Like, don't forget, there was a point in the year where they were, what were they eight and zero, and got stunned by the Calgary Stampeders only yeah. because their quarterback got hurt that game. They could have been eighteen and zero, seventeen and one. They the only reason they lost that first game was. Their starting running back and starting quarterback got hurt in the same game. Like that's the they should be seventeen and one. They really should be. Yeah, it's 
it's just it's such a like I'm not saying they didn't play well, but it when you have all the like those meaningless games, it just you gotta find a way to I don't know make the league better, get the the consistency of competition to a level of where every team can compete and it's not five teams sub five hundred, not by a game or two, but by a lot. Like that's well, you, that's the you thing. Mentioned- you mentioned the East being that much better than the West this year. Well, the Toronto Argonauts went 10-0 and against the East this year. So they were clearly just the better, the, the best team of a better division. Like, I don't think you can knock the fact that they were just that much better than everybody else. I really I'm not, don't think you can. I'm not, I'm not knocking that they were better. I'm just saying the fact that you go into the final third of your season with nothing to play for, it, it takes away, like, Toronto has an attendance problem. But it did go up this year. I will give them some credit. Yeah, they won. Their attendance was up at 8% this year. So, But when you go into it and you're going like, oh, I'm at the game today. Oh, who's this guy? Like, you know, a new fan or someone. You bring someone along with you to try and get them into the game. And you're trying to talk about, oh, is this our starting quarterback? No, our starting quarterback hasn't played in three weeks because it's a meaningless game. Right? That's where I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? Like. Maybe they're not if Winnipeg and BC are actually on their heels to to take first over, like in the league, right? Um, but in the, when they're not in your division, who cares, right? Like that's that's what I'm saying. But I'm not knocking how like they that they were that much better than it, the rest of the league or whatever. I'm just saying it takes away from why would I watch a game where I know they're not really putting forth an effort, I, like a proper full-on effort that's all let's let's focus on the east division playoffs here quickly in the east semifinal you've got montreal versus hamilton in a game that i would have to believe montreal is favored in i would have to believe montreal is going to win this game ken what do you see in the east final like i've or east semifinal sorry i've got Montreal just seems like there's not as many questions, you know, under center there. They know who their quarterback is, you know, Cody Fajardo's leading that team. Hamilton, there's big question marks under center. Who's starting? Who's taking the majority of the reps? Is Bo Levi Mitchell starting? Is, is he not? Should he be starting? Is it Powell? Is it Schiltz? Like we don't even know. Like they're just, is it a three headed monster that's going to play that game? Like I, I, there seems like a lot of questions as to Hamilton. Can they go into Montreal and win that game? Well, we have the answer, no, because they went in in week 21 and didn't. The, the Tiger Cats and Owls gave us a East semifinal preview yesterday. And they played, and it was a 22-20 Owls victory. And Bo Levi Barely played a half and didn't look good. But it's looked good for a while. No, but... well, that's true. But I mean, this is your this is a game where you want to make a statement to say we can beat you in your stadium. And they didn't. For everything Hamilton did, Montreal had an answer. You know, Montreal misses a field goal. Hamilton runs it back for a touchdown in the end, like you know, out of their own end zone. And then Montreal returns a punt for a touchdown. Like it just whatever it was, whatever you can do, I can do better. 
from the Montreal Alouettes. And I don't see the Tiger Cats having the consistency at really their most key position quarterback to win this game. Like they didn't dress Schultz for this game and they went like Bo Levi, I believe for half the game and then Powell for the, the second half. But it just, you can't do that in the playoffs. You need to be able to say, this is our guy. We're going in with him. He's going to win us this ball game. And I, I think if you asked Orlando Steinauer, he couldn't tell you any of it. Like Taylor Powell was 10 for 19, 106 yards passing. That was it. And Cody Fajardo was 6 of 8 for 55. He didn't play the whole game. It, running back, Montreal has the advantage as well. I think William Stanback is is good. Butler has been great for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, but if you shut him down, you're done. Like Montreal just needs to shut Butler down because Powell threw two picks, no TDs. His average 5.6 yards per pass. It's just, and that was leading. That wasn't just the, like the stats. That was the leading passer. Uh, it just was not good at all for Bo Levi. Um, I think he's done, but they signed him to like, what, a three-year deal. He's still got I think it was two, more two years. years. Two years. Got one more year, yeah. Yeah. It, Who knows with CFL contracts, they're not yeah. exactly. Uh, so I'm with you. I, I, I don't see Hamilton – going in there and winning that game. The only way, and this is, uh, if James Butler has one of those games where he goes off for 175 yards and two touchdowns, the Hamilton Tiger Cats have a chance. The the Hamilton Tiger Cats defense isn't great. The Montreal defense is actually quite solid. Like, I I really struggle to see, can Hamilton score on Montreal? I don't know if they can. Their quarterback play is not great. You know, their defense, Hamilton's defense isn't that great either. Like, I just, they're, they're, they're an eight and 10 football club. They're a reason they're eight and 10. And they won against the bad teams. They didn't necessarily win a ton of games against the good teams. And I, I just, I don't like Hamilton's chances. That, now that being said, any given Sunday, you can win a game. Like, sure. But, I don't like their chances. I think Montreal is going to win that game. But I think, you know, Montreal, Toronto are going to be in the East final. Yeah. They, it, it's, it's one of those games where it looks like it is pretty clear on paper who, who's going to win this one. Uh, I think a lot of the advantages do go to the Owls, the Tiger Cats. Like, they got lucky over a handful of games. Really. They were in a position where even Saskatchewan had a chance of being a crossover team. And it was, a single victory out of Hamilton that ended it late in the season. Um, It just, yeah. Hamilton, Hamilton's going to need their two best offensive weapons to have big games. Tim White leading receiver in the CFL has to go off and Butler has to go off because outside of that, it's pretty skinny on those two, on on that team. That that's, and, and I, do they have a history of it? Uh, not really. Could this be Orlando Steinar's last game as head coach? Maybe. Maybe. The team's kind of like they've 
they went to the, the consecutive Grey Cups, and now it's, it's kind of just been downhill ever since then. And it very well could be, you know, it very well could be. Like, it, it kind of went with the beginning of, you know, like, they chose Dane Evans over Mazzoli. Then they traded Dane Evans to BC. They brought in Bo Levi. Well, that was just a bit that I never understood that move. Poor decision making right there. Like he was done in Calgary. And you think he's gonna come in and be a savior? And okay, sure. Do do you you do you, Hamilton, but just odd decision making. Um Steinhauer's been good. Like I just it's one of those things that like you don't produce and you're out. Like Craig Dickinson didn't get fired. He just isn't having his contract renewed. So it's he got, he got fired. He got fired. <laughs> like, he was fired, but they didn't have to say it that way. Like, oh, we're just not going to renew his contract. Like, okay. Yeah, that's the nicest way of saying you're fired. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Montreal, Toronto in that East final. And oh, hey, here's two the weeks. question can, can Montreal beat Toronto? I don't like their chances. I, I really, really don't. The only well, the let's... biggest, the, here's the big if for me. Toronto hasn't played, and you alluded to this before, Toronto hasn't played a meaningful game. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Can, I was just they, say that. can they ratchet it back up, flip the switch on a dime, or is it going to like, or are they going to be rusty for a half? And if they are, can Montreal plant that seed of doubt? Yeah. Well, and that's like, the thing is Montreal has been playing Grey Cup champs. So I would like to believe they're going to be able to flip the switch. It, it's I I have to believe it's also going to be a pretty good crowd in Toronto. I yeah. think they'll figure out a way to give away enough tickets so there's you know a full house there that it should be a rocking atmosphere, which will be nice to see. Bring and... this final ticket when you buy an orange Julius. <laughs> <laughs> I think. The thing is, like you say, defending Grey Cup champs. Andrew Harris isn't on the field. He was part of that team. Bethel Thompson is gone. Like, it's a new quarterback. It's a new... There's a lot of newer big pieces that are going to be going into that West Final that weren't necessarily key pieces last year to it. I was going to say the exact same thing about haven't played a meaningful game in forever. Montreal hasn't been playing do-or-die football either, but they've been playing their starters to win games and keep the momentum rolling. I think that's going to give them an advantage. Granted, they get through Hamilton. Um, I think that's going to give them an advantage in the, the East final. I think they can. I think they can beat Toronto. Toronto, yeah, sure, they've been – they were 10-0 and 0 versus their division. But it's not like Montreal is a, is a pushover, really. It no, just they're comes not. down to – to making the right plays and right calls at the time. Can folk can Cody Fajardo make enough explosive plays in the playoffs? And he doesn't have a great history in the playoffs. He was at the helm of a couple of really good Saskatchewan Rough Rider teams that I that pains me to say that. He was at the helm of a couple of good teams in Saskatchewan and he failed. He's never had postseason success. As weird as it sounds, Chad Kelly has. He's won a great cup. He only played the last quarter of it, but he still came in and he won his team that great cup. And he then led his team to a 16 and two record. I just, I, to me, there's a distinct advantage at QB for Toronto over, over Montreal. 
And if Hamilton gets through, there's a very distinct advantage at QB for Toronto over whoever they're going to play. And the CFL is a quarterback league. If your quarterback yeah. can produce and make things happen, you're going to win. I also have all the time in the world for AJ Willette. That guy's a tank. And you get some cold weather football going on, that guy is going to be an absolute beast to tackle. He could easily go for 100 to 150 yards in the East final. I give a big – I know Butler finished with more yards this year, but I give a big um, advantage to Toronto in the running game as well just because Willette is just a monster. He really is. Like, he's kind of – he's Brady Oliveira of the, of the East – just makes five yards out of nothing. I just see a, a, a major advantage there. And I, I just don't know that Montreal's going to be able to hang with them. Yeah, I mean, you can never – William Stanbeck, you can never count out. Uh, Montreal's got some good defenders in there. Like, they added Daryl Sankey, yes. Sean Lemon. Sean Lemon can apparently still ball. So well, I, mean, I know it. Yeah. yeah the, the Lions let him go out of camp, and that Montreal jumped on that right away. But yeah, you know, Peters Darryl, let him go last year, like yeah. after last Darryl year. Sankey, like, Sean Lemon, and they got who that else? Who the hell else is in that linebacker position? They have they got three good linebackers on that team, right? Like that that could be the AJ Willett, you know, difference maker, the erasers for him. We'll have to see how it goes. But Montreal's no slouch on defense, and they, no, they, Montreal's got in run defense. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on on the quarterbacks and on the running backs. Like Butler's had the yards because they couldn't throw the damn ball to save their lives, so they had to run it. He he did it. He right just because you got to run it doesn't mean you're going to get the yards. So he he broke through. He found holes. He did his job. But if you can force Hamilton to pass, then you should have a good day. Okay, so who's representing the East in the Grey Cup? I'm going to say it's the Toronto Argonauts. I I just don't know that either of those other teams, they went 10-0 in their division for a reason. They they were just that much better than everybody else. I don't see them. They're the defending Grey Cup champs. I don't see them chumping it in a big game in their field. I think Toronto yeah. gets there. I, I'm, I'm going to go different. I'm going to say Montreal's going to get through Hamilton, and I'm going to say Montreal's going to push Toronto. I'm not going to say it's going to be an easy game. It's going to be a tight one. Like it's going to come down to the wire, and I, I will give the advantage to the Owls because, like I said, let's let's face it: the final six games of the season didn't count for the Argos. They're now sitting another week, seven weeks of meaningless football. I think that's going to take a toll on them. Like, how do you, how do you, you're not really hyping yourself up for those games, and now you got to hype yourself up for a one game. East final. I, I not saying it can't be done, but I think it's it could take them a little while to get the motor motor running. I feel the Owls are going to come in engine hot, so I'll give it to the Owls. I'll give them representing the. East. Okay, uh, good, uh, good. So let's let's uh, let's flip our attention to the West, and in what's got to be the biggest mismatch in the playoffs has got to be. Mike August Stampeters, who just demolished your BC Lions two weeks ago, getting the opportunity to get go back into BC and demolish the BC Lions again. Like, do you see this as the biggest mismatch like I do, where one team 
just in recent memory is so much better than the other team. Like, yeah, but I'm not delusional in thinking that it's the stamps. So <laughs> yeah, it, it is a mismatch and you're right. The stamps did beat the, the lions in the defined the last game of the season. They played in the three lions went two and one versus the stamps this year. And in the other games, Handled them quite Demolished easy. us. <laughs> right. And I said to you in that game two weeks ago, VA doesn't look right. And I think Rick Campbell gave us one of the best injury sound bites we've ever heard from a CFL coach when asked about VA's health going into that game, where he said he's our starter unless he's medically compromised. And I think you could tell from the way VA was moving in that game. He was medically compromised. They took him out of the half, and Dane didn't play poorly. Just the game was done at that point in time. The, the Stamps had had the lead, and it, the Lions didn't. It was a, then. It was then became a case of we're going into a bye week. Let's not get hurt even more. Lucky Whitehead took a, a real good tackle and a bit of a knock, and he didn't look right for a little bit. So you can kind of tell at a point it was more about uh, injury preservation. And not getting hurt. Um, you could tell that game meant way more to one team than. Oh, absolutely. You guys had to win that game. You yeah. had to win that game to make the playoffs. For us. And we destroyed it, you. So. Yeah. It, for us, it became a let's not get anyone else hurt and let's heal up and get into the playoffs and face this team again. I, I don't think it's uh, quite a mismatch as you in the sense that you're making it in. I think it's going to be a good game, but I think BC with a healthy VA and, and healthy wide receivers, like I think the overall wide receiving group, BC has one of the best in the leagues, I think. Oh, have, by a mile. Yeah. Like so many targets. Lucky Whitehead doesn't have a lot of yards because Eon Hatcher has become a target. Dominic Rhymes, uh, Javon Katoy, like Hollins, the, the list goes on and on for who – VA can throw to that lucky speed makes him a target for the defense because if you don't cover him with maybe a little extra coverage, he'll burn you for an 80 yard TD because you can't catch him. Uh, yeah. Dominique Rimes has had a hell of a season and missed a lot of time too. And but in in Rimes's absence, guys have stepped up. Keon Hatcher's become a star and, and had a, over a thousand yards. Like offensively if VA is not medically compromised uh I think and he was able to use his legs and run and scramble and miss tackles I think it could be a long day for Calgary I think he's they could make the Calgary defense work you too and, and, you know when I'm joking about being a mismatch it's totally the other way around like I just the BC lines are that much better than Calgary Stampeders the Calgary Stampeders, as I alluded to earlier, have been just like so inconsistent, so mediocre all season. Our our offensive line is atrocious. They can't keep uh, they can't keep pass rush out of its out of their backfield to save their lives. Jake Meyer or Jake Meyer is constantly on the run, having to make you know poor decisions because he's running for his life. You know, got Matthew Betts going to come out of all game too. Yeah, this to me is potentially the biggest mismatch there is. The only bright spot that I see is, and there's there's kind of two things that lead me to this. In that last game of the season, the Stampeders committed to the run, and they actually played six linemen, which is not normal. 
They played six linemen and committed to the run, and BC had no answer for it. Can they do that again? Can, if they do play the six-man line, can they keep Jake Mayer upright? Last year in the playoff game, we said going into it, if Calgary can run the ball, BC might be in trouble. I think you have the same narrative going into this year's game. Last year, Calgary didn't run the ball. It was almost like, ha, 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 we're going to try to fool you, and they got destroyed. I don't foresee them going away from it this year, and I think they're going to make a huge commitment to the run game. That being said, they have to be successful at it, or it's going to be a very long day. The other reason why I feel like BC may, may, this is a big may, be um, beatable, down the stretch, they didn't look good. Down the stretch, they had tough games against Hamilton that they barely beat them. You had a miraculous comeback to the then three-win Ottawa Red Blacks. You were down 17 points with two minutes left at home. You got destroyed by a bad Calgary Stampeders football team at home. There's some shining light that says to me there's a chance if BC lets there be a chance and they lay one of those eggs like they did against the bad teams down the stretch. If BC even plays remotely close to their potential, this is a 20-point victory. It's – I just don't see any way around it. So – Let's. I I kind of want to move past this game. BC is going to win this game. It's going to be Winnipeg versus BC. I think we're pretty set to that. If it's not, I'll be stunned. If it's not, yeah, you same. are never going to hear the end of it. Like you're gonna, we'll remember the epic fail of the 2023 BC Lions if they're not in the West Final. You will never hear the end of it from me. But they will be there. The West Final, yeah. This is this might be the most anticipated game of the season outside of the Great Cup. I think you've got two of the best teams in the league going at it. You're going to Winnipeg versus BC. Can why can BC beat Winnipeg? Because I'm going to flat out say I don't think they can. Well, see, I, I I say they can because they may have gone one and two against the Bombers this season. The first game we owned them. We owned the Bombers, and it wasn't even close. Uh, offensively, we put points on the board with little resistance. Defensively, we shut down Zach Flares. The second game where we lost to them wasn't a VA start. VA was on the shelf, and it was Dane Evans under center. And so... Not and again, this isn't a knock on Dane Evans, but he he's not the starter, he's not the guy. VA is the guy, and that that you could see was a big difference because when those games that Dane was playing, he got a couple wins, but they weren't as the they weren't in the style that BC BC was winning in, right? With VA under center, with VA under center in the third game, facing the same Winnipeg lineup we had faced two times before, beat and lost to. Um, the Lions were in that game. The Lions actually blew that game. The Lions were leading that game. And in the end, a couple of plays cost them that victory and essentially cost them fighting for first in the division. That was the game that sealed Winnipeg 
into the West final. Um, Because it would have taken Winnipeg losing out. And even with BC winning out, they would have had the same record. Bombers would have had the tie break in in the two and one record. Outside of the, the game VA didn't play, the Lions hung with the Bombers. I think defensively, they Matthew Betts has had a great season. Um, ben Halatic has had a great season. There's a lot of guys on that defense that can get through and force Caleros to have a tough day. Um, so I think the Lions defensively can can shut him down. Can they shut down Brady Oliveira? If you can shut, if you shut down the, the passing game, for me. yeah. If you shut down the passing game, you're going to see a lot of Brady Oliveira, who is the Bombers' MOP nominee. Um, I think, I think yes, the Lions can beat the Bombers. It's going to take a hell of an effort, but it can be done. It can be done. Uh, I can they beat them? Sure. Are they going to beat them? I don't think so. I just the Bombers when the the two games that mattered the most this year, the BC Winnipeg games, Winnipeg won them both. When the game, the game that really mattered, that more or less flipped who was going to be first place in the division, Winnipeg won it. And remember, BC blew a big lead in that game. BC was fragile at, towards the end of that game. They blew the, what was it, a 10 or 11 point lead with, you know, three or four minutes left, lost that game. Can, can BC... Like Winnipeg's mentally tough. Winnipeg's been there. Winnipeg's done it. Winnipeg lost a great cup last year. They probably shouldn't have. Winnipeg has a lot to prove this year. There's a lot of people saying Winnipeg's on the decline. Well, they're four, they're finished 14 and four this year. These guys are mentally tough. Is that's a, that's a horrible BC, decline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is BC tough enough? to actually beat Winnipeg in Winnipeg in what's going to be in front of 35,000 crazy fans that if it starts to spiral, it, it's, it could get out of hand. I'm not saying it is, but if it starts to spiral on the BC Lions and that crowd gets into it, that it could be a long day for the BC Lions. I just think Winnipeg's been there. Winnipeg has the ground game. It, like, say conditions play a factor. Well, Winnipeg is used to it. Winnipeg has played in the cold weather. Winnipeg has Brady Oliveira. BC plays nine games a year in a nice, beautiful dome. Like, I think there's a lot of factors here that just tell me that Winnipeg's going to win this game. That being said, BC's a hell of a, a team. And if their offense fires on all cylinders like they can and the Winnipeg defense isn't as good as they are, BC could hang around. I just don't think they have the mental resolve. Zach Caleros is better than Vernon Adams. Zach Caleros has been there. He's won it. He's, you know, this Winnipeg has possession receivers. You know, Drew Wolitarski is going to catch four balls on second and eight for first downs. You could put it in the bank. You just know it's going to happen. It, BC is very reliant on the big play. And I just, you know, in a one game win all against the best defense in the league, it's tough to get those big plays. I don't know that BC can move the ball as consistently. I don't know that BC can play West final football. That's going to win you a game in Winnipeg. I guess that's kind of the long well, and the short of it for me. But we did go into Winnipeg and win this year. We had two games in BC and that's where Winnipeg beat. Yeah. Us. But you won, you won early in the year against Winnipeg. True, but it's still Winnipeg. 
yep. it's, it's still the same environment. There, that those fans, every game is playoff atmosphere with with that crowd. It's probably the one place that's genuinely always a sellout or very close to. It's always loud in Winnipeg, and we held them at home to two field goals and one field goal in the first and a field goal yeah. in the second quarter. Zach Claros had 191 yards, no TDs, and a pick. Brady Oliveira, 52 yards. Yeah. On 10 carries. The Lions have done it this year. They mentally know we can go into Winnipeg and win. They won that game 30 to 6. Yeah. So it's by no means like that's that was week three, but still, it still happened. It was still this year. Yeah. We're not talking about last year. The Lions have shown this season that they can go in and win. Now, granted, that was five months ago uh, in the summertime in June. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. A little bit different, but I'm hoping for a, you know, uh, a, a summery swing of weather in Winnipeg in two weeks, which I doubt. But I think the Lions can do it. Will they? Who knows? That's why we got to yeah. play the game. The other challenge um, I have is Vernon Adams has never had playoff success before either. And to have playoff success means he has to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Winnipeg. That's a tall task. And, you know, there's one thing beating the Calgary Stampeders at home, you know, two years in a row, a mediocre Calgary Stampeders team. It's another thing beating Zach Caleros and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in Winnipeg. He never did it in Montreal. He never you know, really won the big game either. Like, can Vernon Adams do it in the big game? I don't know if he can. Vernon Adams has had a, a hell of a year this year, put himself in the MOP conversation. Yep. And I think part of it comes down to what you just said, the questioning of whether he can. This is his – he came in last year because Nathan Rourke got injured, right? And he has played with that – I don't know if chip on the shoulder is the right word or right thing, but he's played this year to prove he is a number one guy. He is that guy that people thought he was going to be in the past. Right. Yeah. And he's played that way. And I think you can see everything. Even last year, he came in mid season and had to learn the playbook and there were struggles for VA. They still yeah. won games, with it, but there were struggles. Um, he had one bad game this year, really, like like really bad game against Toronto, where he threw six picks, right? Like two, but two bad games because he played a very very bad half a game against Calgary as well. Yeah, but again, that the, that second that last game, he was also yeah, playing not so not a hundred percent. But I'll I'll give that he didn't at that point in time he should have either been like, hey, we've got this. This game is not gonna. He should have he should have gone to the coaching staff and said, look. Let's rest up. Let's give Dane the game. Um, so game and a half where he played poorly out of out of all the like the whole season. I think a healthy VA can go in and do a lot of damage. I think he's very capable of that. So is he healthy though? Like that's another question. I think is is he healthy? I hope he is because I you know that to me that Winnipeg BC game has the potential to be the game of the year. Yeah, and you definitely want to see a healthy Vernon Adams in that game. I think for as bad as like you know, I mean, Winnipeg, 
back to the standings here. Um, they were 10 and two against the division. Now, BC, and I forget who, well, they lost to Saskatchewan, didn't they? Yeah, BC and Saskatchewan beat them. The Lions were 10 and four, or eight and four, sorry, in the division. Two of those losses coming to, to Winnipeg, right? Like, it's for a lot of the don't season. Get, don't forget one to Calgary. Yeah, fine. <laughs> Dick. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I can honestly say, and I and I, one hundred percent would stand behind this. BC Winnipeg West final, whoever comes out of that game, is probably winning the Great Cup. Oh, I don't know about that, but we're we're gonna touch on we'll touch on the Great Cup when it's actually the Great Cup. Yeah, I, I think so. Ken, uh, who's representing the West? I, I, I'm gonna go with a bit of. I'm wearing the hat. I'm wearing the shirt. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give my BC Lions the nod. I think they have the capability to beat Calgary. I mean, they, they know should, they can. Yeah. They should. Yeah, they should. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak on that. They have handle quite handily beat Calgary uh, next Saturday. I think they can beat Winnipeg. I think they have the capabilities to go in there, go into go into the peg. Cold weather, hot weather, whatever. If that team is going, um, I think defensively, if Matthew Betts can rattle Calaris and get through the line a few times and put him on his ass, I think that could be a difference maker. Matthew Betts, to me, is a difference maker in that game because when Caleros gets rushed, he doesn't make good decisions at times and can get picked off. Um, I'm going to give it to the nod to the BC Lions. I'm going to give the nod to Winnipeg. Can BC win that game? Yes. Yes, they can. I'm going to give the nod to Winnipeg. They've been there before. Their championship pedigree. Is it time for BC yet? I don't know that it is. I don't know that. I don't know that BC's learned the lesson that they have to yet, potentially. Maybe they did. Maybe getting beat last year was the lesson. I just, that is going to be such a hard place to go into and win that football game that I just, I like, I like the way the Bombers play. They play playoff football. They play playoff football all year round. Michael Shea, one thing I also like it, Michael Shea, I think they've got to just, I get, they've got a coaching advantage to me because I think Michael Shea is going to have some wrinkles that BC hasn't seen. They do different things. They run different schemes. And I think, they're going to be they're going to have some different schemes that BC hasn't seen yet. They always do. They always always do that and they just throw these weird patterns and wrinkles that I think might confuse the BC linebackers and might hold someone like Matthew Betts kind of on their heels a little bit. I I just for those reasons I I like Winnipeg to probably get through. But if BC got through I would not be surprised. I'm just I am so looking forward to that game. Though I would sure love to see a Calgary Stampeders Winnipeg Blue Bombers West Final. If that's the case, Winnipeg's getting through. <laughs> <laughs> and Winnipeg the game? will be, yeah, and Winnipeg will be representing the uh the, the West in the Grey Cup. Dream Gary Cup scenario. I would sure love to see the Calgary Stampeders playing the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the Grey Cup, a little Bo Levi Mitchell Bowl. 
would be uh would be very exciting but i would say that um is not going to happen if if that was the case the only highlight of the game would be green day at halftime yeah Yeah, exactly i'll tune in at halftime because it'll be the worst great cup final ever it might be the worst great cup in history if it's the calgary Stampeders versus the hamilton tiger cats god we sat through that live i wouldn't have to watch it on tv again too <laughs> well, th- there you have it, CFL fans. What? How do you see the playoffs shaking out? As I just mentioned, we'll touch on the Great Cup when we actually know who's going to be there. That being said, we know it's going to be Winnipeg and Toronto because I said so, and you know, I, I said the the Texas Rangers were going to have a great season this year, and lo and behold, they're in the World Series. Oh, one out of a hundred picks. One out of a hundred picks. I can't have them finishing, I think, last in the AL West this year. So, you know, like, clearly one of us knows Second. more. The, the okay. Angels exist. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. Love CFL playoffs. Not going to lie. I wasn't expected to be watching any CFL playoffs this year. The Calgary Stampeders keep the streak alive to play one more game this season and no more. <laughs> it should be, but it'll still be a lot of fun. Ken and I will be uh, ribbing each other that whole game. And, you know, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at the BleacherCon1. Ken is at the BleacherCon2. Yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, we were going to get into a bit of hockey talk today, but our uh, playoff talk is taking up our time today. Uh, we were going to talk about how much better my Vancouver Canucks are than Trevor's Calgary Flames. Uh, they do have the uh, Heritage Classic coming up in a matter of hours from when we're finishing up here. Uh, one of those two higher fire teams has to win this game. Ties don't exist anymore. but uh, By default. default. By default. <laughs> one team will get two points up in the standings, still keeping them in sixth and seventh place out of eight. Um not quite the start I think Trevor was hoping for um, on the happy Not side unexpected. of things. Um, the start the Canucks have had has definitely been to my liking. Um, but we will talk about that more next week after probably I give it to Trevor about losing to the, the, the Stamps, losing to the Lions yet again. But that is our show for this week. Make, out, make sure to check out Belly Up Sports, bellyupsports.com. Check out all the other podcasts and all the articles on a wide array of sports. Trevor, fun as always. We want to thank everyone for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, everyone.